I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman and a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Empathy for Ratmen. Take nonviolent action and communicate with your rat human kidnappers. Empathy for Ratmen. It's not just an idea. It's now a 500-page book. Guys, we are now three days into this week-long fundraiser to help organizations and charities that help fight systemic racial injustice here in the United States. We've raised money for Black Lives Matter and the Equal Justice Initiative and even others we haven't even gotten to spotlighting yet. So thank you so much uh, for continuing to donate at btaspodcast.com donate. Remember that your money right now is automatically tripled when you donate. So if you donate 10 bucks, it becomes 30 bucks. If you donate... 100 it becomes 300 i'm doing this math for me as much as anybody else uh and also it just you know reminds you that you don't have to donate a lot to make it a lot more does that make sense yeah so please consider donating at btaspodcast.com slash donate anything helps one dollar five ten twenty a hundred a million if you donate a million i will have you on the podcast for the rest of the show how about that you get to be on every episode of the podcast if you donate a million dollars. Today's charity, Homeboy Industries. Homeboy Industries is an organization brought directly to us by Lauren Tom, today's guest. They provide hope, training, and support to formerly gang-involved and previously incarcerated men and women, allowing them to redirect their lives and become contributing members of the Los Angeles community. During this pandemic, Homeboys has continued to virtually serve hundreds of Angelinos with free services, including crisis counseling, substance abuse classes, and meditation and GED tutoring. The Homegirl Cafe and Catering Team is now pivoted to cooking and distributing healthy prepared meals to provide to seniors, youth, and thousands of others in Los Angeles impacted by COVID-19. So if you feel like supporting a local to me, and perhaps you if you're listening, organization, please do it. BTAS.com slash donate you will have your donations tripled right now. Today's episode, Batman Beyond Rats. That's right, it's a Dana-centric Batman Beyond episode. With Dana's relationship with Terry on the rocks, things go from bad to worse when she's kidnapped by a dangerous secret admirer, a teenage outcast who lives underground with mutated rats as his only companions. Can Batman help Dana make her escape? The answer, of course, is yes. Yeah, of course. Original air date, November 20th, 1999. Written by Rich Fogel, directed by Kurt Gaeta. Music by Shirley Walker, with animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. Starring Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne, Will Friedel, or Friedel, as Terry McGinnis slash Batman, 
Lauren Tom as Dana Tan, Taryn Noah Smith as Patrick, Henry Rollins as Mad Stan, holy shit, Cree Summer as Max, Yvette Lowenthal as Chelsea, Ryan O'Donohue as Matt McGinnis, Clyde Kusatsu as Mr. Tan, and Sean Donnellan as Virtual Anchor. Today's guest, Lauren Tom. Guys, Lauren is a legend of voice acting. In the DC animated universe alone, she's best known for playing Dana Tan on Batman Beyond, as you know, but she's also played Cairo, the Green Lantern of the Future, news anchor Angela Chen on Superman the Animated Series, Mariko in the Batman film Sub-Zero, in addition to many others, including Dr. Light, Rampage, Dottie the Joker's gang member, and even Mercy Graves in the video game Superman Shadows of Apocalypse. But that's not all. She is on Futurama and King of the Hill and many, many more shows as fan favorite characters. I feel like she straddles comedy and drama and she's really fucking good at it. Not to mention her live action career on Andy Mack, Friends, Supernatural, and in the Joy Luck Club. She was a delight to talk to and I'm thankful she was willing to sit down for this P-cast. So without further ado, please enjoy our interview. All right. Well, here we are. I'm sitting down with Lauren Tom. We are virtually hanging out at the moment. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's it's so nice to see and hear you. Yeah, likewise. It is a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I love your work. I feel like you, you span all the kind of stuff that I love uh, from like comedy to, you know, any sort of animation. That's awesome. I, yeah, I feel like you have the coolest version of a career. Um, <laughs> well, I feel really lucky and blessed that, you know, I'm, I'm able to do voiceover work. It's, it's really, it's, it's just been amazing in the sense that I guess I've been doing it since the mid 90s. And honestly, I've never met one jerk in the entire voiceover community. I, I can't really say that for all of my on-camera work, but in the voiceover world, people are just super uh, down to earth and very nice. I'm, I'm wondering if you found that in the, in the people that you've interviewed. Um, just seems to attract really nice people, I think. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like when I've, you know, I, I work in animation and, and voiceover and I feel like voiceover stuff also, people are just chill. Yeah. I feel like you get to show up as yourself. There's not as much ego. Exactly. Uh, you're just there to play a little bit more. Right, right. Um, even if it's serious stuff, I feel like it, it really is, you know, there, there feels like there's like a camaraderie and like more relaxed nature to it. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome then. So you know firsthand how, how wonderful it is to be a part of this community. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like animation in general is, is such yeah. a, it's so much more of a team sport. I mean, of course all film is, but it feels like animation, right. people recognize it more in, in the process of it. So. And you don't have to memorize your lines. And you can it be, is a damn dream. <laughs> yeah. And, and also just not, you know, like as an Asian woman who's five foot tall, like I, I can actually, you know, takes out all of the, um, the, you know, stereotyping and, and the, you know, sometimes there's a ceiling there where they, they obviously won't let me play all different kinds of characters in on-screen work, but this is the sky's the limit kind of thing. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's so cool. Uh, well, I guess like, you know, piggybacking off all that, like how did you get your start in acting and performing in general and, and you know, and voiceover as well? Well, I um, just briefly, I started out as a dancer because I used to be 
extremely shy and dancing was the perfect medium for me because I didn't have to talk and I could still express myself. So when I was 17, a chorus line uh, came through Chicago is where I'm from and they hired me. I was like super young. They trained me because I didn't really know how to act or sing, but I could dance really well. So they trained me and I did the show for a year on the road with them. And then when I turned 18, they brought me to Broadway and I did it for another year. So for two years, I was in that show and all of my friends kind of took me under their wing because they were a lot older and just said, you know, you really should study acting because otherwise you'll be done by the time you're 35 because mm-hmm. dancing is like being an athlete. So from there, I, I just thought that was like the best advice I got. And then I just went into straight acting and I realized how much easier it was on my body. And then um, when I moved out to Los Angeles uh, from, New, uh, from New York, uh, I started doing you know film and TV. And then in the mid nineties, like I think it was 97, King of the Hill was my very first animated show. Wow. And I just, I just went in as a regular audition, just like I would for any sitcom, except for, you know, they weren't filming me. They were just recording me. And that was, wow. That was the gift that kept on giving because we did 13 seasons and, um, you know, just the family that we all became and then the residuals that I'm still getting, thank God, to pay for these um, uh, school tuitions for my kids. Yeah. just pretty daunting especially you know now in covid season um but yeah and from there i i always had my voiceover work uh complementing my on-screen work but the beauty of it is just during 2008 and now you know it, it's just i i was able to set up a home recording studio in my husband's closet which is really really tiny and you know it, it's pretty dead air which is what you need and i just wanted to mention too like because a lot of times people ask me how do i get into voice acting what do i do like where do i start and if there are any listeners who who are thinking of that i always like to mention that my friend d bradley baker who i did lots of shows with he's he's kind of one of the kings of voiceover has a website and um Part of his website you can click is I want to be a voice actor. And he has extensively laid out all kinds of incredible advice and resources. And then he has different scenarios. If you've never acted before, if you're a professional actor, but have never done voiceover. And literally, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I just love to recommend it because he's done all the work for you in a way if you really wanted to get started. So it's, oh, um, yeah. So I think you can just Google his name or I want to be a voice actor and then it'll come up. That's so cool. Thanks for mentioning it. You know, the the reason I make this podcast is because as a kid, that was the kind of stuff that I was seeking out. You know, I I was watching these shows. I was watching these cartoons. I was watching a bunch of stuff and I was like, how do I do this? And, you know, the Internet was very new, if in existence at all, (laughs) depending on when I was looking at it. So I feel like there there weren't these resources. Uh, So I think that's super cool that people are putting things out there. Oh, so generous of him because I'm sure that took him a ton of time to, to write and edit and, you know, add all those links. And it's, it's made it so much easier for us to be able to just say, go over there. (laughs) This is where you can find everything. Well, I think it's, it's insane that you got your first show was like this seminal (laughs) 
kind of like comedic masterpiece. Aww, <laughs> you know, like, you're sweet. Uh, what, did you have any formal comedy training or background or are you just kind of because I feel like you do so much comedy as well. Uh, oh, I haven't had any comedy or improv training, but I what I did have is a grandmother that I used to see every weekend <laughs> and she came over from China and spoke with a pretty thick accent. And so my brother and I used to just copy her um, the, exactly the way she talked and that got into my bones, into my muscle memory. So I, I was able to use that because I played Min, you know, mm -hmm. and Connie on that. So Connie's only 12 and then Min's the mother, but Min has an accent. And so I think that that kind of pushed it over. It's it's a very similar voice I do for Inez Wong on Futurama, mm -hmm. but you know, like it's because the accent is the same because that's the one I know. But um, so that really helped me because it's sort of like anything my grandmother said was funny. You know, and so that, that sort of like the writing was fantastic on, you know, King of the Hill, too. So I didn't really you don't have to have any kind of crutch to lift that up. But um, but it just made it funny because the writing was good, too. Um, so, yeah. So so I, I love doing comedy as well as the dra drama. Um, I was I was um, rewatching the episode of Rats from batman beyond um just because that was the one that really featured dana the most mm -hmm. i think and um i just realized how because it was so long ago that i recorded it how easy that job must have been for me because you know that was dana's voice is pretty close to my own um it was so long ago that i recorded it my voice is like lower than that because she was obviously way younger mm -hmm. but I just loved the way that they, so two things. I loved the way that they um, made her character so nice and so compassionate. Um, but the downside was, is that, you know, her, her role in most of the series was just to, you know, be really frustrated by how often, um, you know, Batman let her down. And, and so like, you can only go so far with that storyline. So I'm really, glad they gave her an episode where she had um something more to do and um but that episode really showed again her her compassion because when she first wakes up and she realizes like that she's been kidnapped she doesn't really freak out she not just, a huge reaction to being kidnapped by a you know a rat man giving her roses <laughs> and and really not very judgmental at all like okay this is who you are and she sort of sort of like meets him where he is yeah and i thought that was kind of phenomenal for someone you know that age and and just being able to not to keep her composure so that that also showed her her strength because i love it at the end when she kicks ass and she lights things on fire and and helps batman you know when they're escaping so I, I like that aspect of her. And then, of course, she gets more uh, nervous as, as it goes on. Um, but at first, it was like, dang, she's got some empathy, man. And also just with Batman, too, like being, you know, always, you know, getting frustrated, but obviously, you know, hanging in there. Um, like if, if Batman Beyond were to pick up again, though, it would be so great to have um, the creators expand uh, Dana's backstory more and because we only see her dad once I think in the whole time 
and that was played by my friend Clyde Kasatsu. Um, and, and he, you know, just, you see how protective he is in that episode in, in rats. And, um, that's how my dad was too. Um, he did a great job, but, but also to, to just let Dana like evolve into being, you know, what does she contribute to the world? You know, like I, I, as a woman and a woman of color, it would be, you know, so inspiring to see, you know, that, you know, what a woman's contribution is and not just as the adjunct to this amazing man. Right. Um, but, you know, that would be kind of my dream if, if they were to do that, to, to just have it be more well-rounded. I know you can't spend a lot of time developing all the characters, um, you know, in a series, but still, I just find that in my own career, you know, I think that the comments that I received from fans for, for various different shows, like I was on Friends in the second season, is just for young women to come up to me and say, you know, that's the first time I've ever seen myself represented on TV. Which is deeply meaningful. Yeah, that, that just makes me feel like I'm not just like a, a silly, shallow actor, that I'm actually contributing something. And, and so it gave them, you know, the idea that, hey, maybe I could do it too, which is amazing for me. Like, I love that so much. I feel like that's what we're here to do, that, you know, if we can kind of um, inspire one another and um, just be of service more. That's, that's sort of my goal. Um, I, I heard this great, this great quote yesterday, which said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's a good I one. I just love that so much. Um, so anyway, that actually might segue nicely into just, you know, some of the work that I do uh, in my personal life. I, I love to fundraise for two organizations called one is Homeboy Industries and the other one is um, Project Angel Food. So right now they're both open during this COVID-19. Um, Homeboy is, is basically the largest intervention organization in the world to help um, formerly incarcerated gang members get um, on their feet and into like, it's almost not like a second chance at life. It's a first chance at life because it's, it's so generational when you're born into like a gang situation like that. Mm -hmm. They are phenomenal the work they do they have a 70 percent success rate in keeping folks um out of that life and out of jail and the government has um those numbers reversed so um they only so homeboy only has a 30 percent recidivism rate and the government's way of doing it which is just punish the shit out of you more and more and more they have a 70 percent recidivism rate so their model really works and um, so anyway, if you wanted to check that out, it's called homeboyindustries.com. They're based here in Los Angeles. And the other one is Project Angel Food, which, which serves like over 2,000 meals to people who have a serious illness. Um, so cancer, HIV, you know, COVID now, like seniors, youth, people who can't actually get out of the house to feed themselves. They make, them, they make medically tailored meals for them and they deliver the meals every single day. So they're still doing that during COVID. Just gave me chills. Anyway, so they're, they're called Project Angel Food. If you, I know it's really hard right now because of COVID and most people have lost their jobs. 
And, um, but if you, if you uh, feel like you, you can afford to throw a couple bucks their way, it, it would be amazing. And, you know, I found in this time of COVID, this, what's lifting me up the most is by doing things that are being of service. That's what's keeping me afloat from not feeling so depressed. And, and you don't even have to, you know, spend money. You could just volunteer or you could go out and march, you know, for the Black Lives Matter movement, like whatever, whatever you feel most personally, you know, connected to and drawn to and what you can do. I think, um, yeah. There's so many opportunities and I feel like there's so many different ways to do it and everybody's got boundaries with this pandemic, but I feel like there's so much you can do from home as well as out there in the world. Absolutely. And I wish that we could all just be uh, more compassionate, patient, and less judgmental about the ways in which people are or are not supporting. It's it's troubling to me, like on social media, when when folks will will call you out for not doing enough or calling you out for doing too much or seeming you know, fake or shallow about it, like, because we're all trying our best. Yeah, there's a lot of anger and rightful anger, you know, and frustration. There's a level of like empathy and compassion we have to have for people growing. And ideally, exactly. people are earnestly growing. Uh, but right. that's the only way that will grow that number of people to to pitch in. Uh, that's and, really and also well support said. this sort of movement and cause. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I would rather just support the people, especially the young people who are out there with their foot on the gas pedal and they are not taking it off. I would rather be positive about what people are doing rather than like slamming people down for not understanding enough or quickly enough or, you know, it's, it's a process and people are at all different stages of evolvement too, right? In, mm -hmm. in our own spiritual growth. So anyway... That was, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but I mean, um, that's what's going on right now. I think that's what's deeply important. So th yeah, I appreciate yeah. you speaking to it. Right, right. But it's, um, it's very important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the most important, <laughs> right? I, that's what's on my mind. Uh, and, and I feel like, yeah, being of, of service or contribution right now is at least what I'm trying to focus on, too. Uh, and at least, you know, doing this podcast feels a little silly and crazy in this time. But I was like, well, if I can help raise money or if we can kind of speak to these things, you know, to an audience of people who are listening right now, that'd be awesome. Um, and, and also, you know, just that saying about like, you know, happiness is having something to look forward to. Like, I, I think that like I was looking forward to doing having this chat with you. And hopefully people, you know, if, if they're having a little bit of fun or anything's put a smile on their face, that's being of service. That's, you know, we're trying to kind of lift each other up is the goal. I wanted to touch a little bit on, you know, some of your experience on the show before we before we wrap up. Um, sure. Just uh, I guess, you know, you, you have this like comedic background, you have like live action theater, all of that. Um, when it comes to these kind of action shows like Batman Beyond or like it looks, you know, I know you were a regular on the Superman show. You've done so much that I imagine it's hard to keep it all <laughs> straight, <laughs> straight. But I, I know you like played Angela Chen, who was like this news reporter on the Superman right. show. Uh, and it seemed like it was like the first the introduction to all those like DC shows. Yes. Um, 
what is your experience? What's your approach to that kind of show? How was recording something like that different than, say, like a King of the Hill or a Futurama? You know, what I also give this advice to, to you know, other people who want to be voice actors that that acting in voiceover is very, very much like just acting if you were on camera. So if if, you know, you were auditioning or something, you have to really just play the scene out with using your whole body. So so, you know, I really you know, the first thing I do too is figure out the tone of the show. So for King of the Hill, even though it's a comedy, and then of course, like Superman and Batman, it was, uh, they wanted things to be as real as possible and it wasn't cartoony at all. So um, just to dial it down in the sense of like the way that you would do it on camera, we, you can't really be too big on camera in a drama, for example. Um, but so, so that's what I found that, that it's actually just similar to any other acting job I would have, even if it was um, on camera. And the beauty of it is that when we used to record Leanne Superman, and you know, we'll, we would record like a uh, radio play so we could actually work off one another in the moment because that's when things are the most alive. A lot of times schedules don't permit and we'd have to go in one at a time and then the director will feed you the line uh, that you're doing the scene, you know, the other person's lines. And it's, it's fine and, you know, we're professionals, but it's so much easier to work off, you know. And then, of course, Futurama would take forever because those guys are such clowns and they would just, you know, I mean, it was my favorite thing to just go into work and laugh because they were so entertaining. But it took us twice as long to, to finish because, you know. And then some shows will let you ad-lib and, and add your own things and some, and some shows won't. Obviously, the, like Batman and Superman, we had to, you know, stay very close to the script. But they don't mind things like a little handle in the beginning, uh, like, I don't know, or what do you mean? Like, you know, like a little handle at the beginning mm -hmm. or the end of a line. But basically we, we, we kept to it. And um, I guess um, the main difference too is, is like with the dramas, with all the action, I would have to do um, a lot of lines that had to do, that are just sounds like, oof, ah, ha, like, or screams. And, and um, apparently I have a kind of an ear piercing scream that's been known to like <laughs> other like engineers and actors that, that know me. Like when they see me coming, they're like, okay, turn everything down. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then of some games I've done as well, um, like World of Warcraft. And I'm, I'm in a new one called Ghosts of Tsushima, which is a sucker punch uh, game. Those require, oh, like 400 fight sounds. And, you know, that I had to learn from Billy West uh, how to take care of my voice uh, doing that because you can really blow yourself out. And um, when there's so much action like that, and if you're, you know, a warrior, which is what I tend to play in games for some reason, um, you know, it's, it's much different in Batman and Beyond where I was just the damsel in distress getting saved i mean she kicked a little bit of ass but but not so much so that i was like you know doing a lot of a ton of um like god what do you call it glottal glottal oh sounds? like the glottal 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. i don't know Gl we'll say it's glottal <laughs> we'll just make it up at least <laughs> but uh yeah no i really love both both ways uh, uh i mean both uh drama and the comedy in voiceover and on screen. It's, it's really nice to mix it up. 
Uh, do you remember how you booked these roles? Like uh, the original DC stuff, was it like a traditional audition or uh, were you at that point already established? So, you know, people were just like, hey, let's get you know, Lauren. Well, the beauty, you know, the beauty of this tight knit community is once you're in the circle, you're kind of in. Mm -hmm. And so after King of the Hill, I was in. And so Andrea Romano, who directed, you know, the Superman and the Batmans knew me from I think that the producers I had just done friends and that was like kind of put me in a higher profile so I think when they realized that Dana was going to be Asian they thought of me and then um working with Andrea Romano you know that kind of set me up because she does so many other shows and then I would just go with her to, to the other shows and so it's kind of like work begets work kind of mm -hmm. thing so I don't think I actually had to audition for Superman and then I just got Batman also. Um, but I did definitely have to audition for King of the Hill for that first one. And then of course, I still do auditions to this day. It's not like I'm always getting offers thrown my way, but certainly if I've worked for someone before, they don't make me audition, which is like, that's why so many people want to get into this, I think, because it's, it really is a close community and, and, uh, it, I just feel, like I said, I'm, I'm just feeling so blessed to, to be in this whole voiceover world. Um, and just learning also from my, my fellow actors. Like I, I learned so much from them, just, just from watching them do it and listening and, you know, um, and hopefully, you know, some of your listeners might be learning something from our chat today about like how, how to help themselves move forward, you know? Yeah, it's really it's really great. I mean, I I you know it's weird, but I I I've, I grew up watching your stuff, I, and and I was inspired by your your voice acting on so oh, many different you. shows. So I really, it's it's just meaningful to get to chat with you about this and 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 hear your thoughts on it. Well, it's it's good to kind of embrace who you are. Like I've always been a little bit embarrassed that my voice sounds so young, you know, especially when like telemarketers will call and then it's like, can I talk to your mom? Like, <laughs> but uh... you know what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you just, you know, you use what you have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's it. Yeah. Even like you talking about pulling from your experience with your grandma and pulling from, yeah. you know, it's, it's it really is like about the truth in, in the character, regardless, it sounds like for you, especially. Yes, because I think that most people are looking for authenticity, e even in the, the more the shows that are more cartoony. It's still, bit, you know, grounded in reality. And then they just want you to make it a little bit bigger. Well, people who are listening can catch me on um, Disenchantment right now. I'm on that. Yeah. And a, a, um, my characters are Mop Girl and Trixie. And um, then I'm doing another one that's uh, that also I can't talk about just like you. But yeah. maybe next time we chat. <laughs> Got those NDAs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but anyway. All right. Well, it was so great talking with you. Is there anything else that you wanted me to brush on? No, I mean, if any, any final thoughts on your, I guess, experience on like the, you know, Batman Beyond or those sort of shows? Uh, we had a great um, anniversary show in New York recently that um, that was put together where we all got together and see each other after decades. So it was uh, Kevin Conroy and Will Friedel and me and Andrea Romano and Gary and and then... Um, we just had the time of our lives. Thank God we got to do that before 
COVID shut everything down mm -hmm. and it was a big gigantic convention and uh, there were so many fans just thousands of people came so it's it's really touching for me to know that that uh, you know there's still so many people who love the DC world and are so supportive of it and who knows you know maybe maybe they'll bring it back at some point I mean there's enough of a fan base for sure and I want more Dana <laughs> Oh, you're sweet. Uh, I, I yeah. agree. I want a more well-rounded version of this character because people hey. love her. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, you know, I mean, it's great. And, and it's, it's, I think it's really awesome that they made, you know, his girlfriend Asian. Like I said, that was... Especially at the time, too, I imagine. Exactly. It was even more... That was really ahead of their time in, in that way. So I'll always thank them for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that seems like a good note to end on. Let's have more okay. inclusivity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. That's that's what's going on right now. Well, thanks so much for talking. It's been a real treat. Thank you, Justin. Take care. Stay well. Stay healthy, everyone. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Lauren Tom. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at LaurenTom9000. Thank you for listening. And if you like the show, please rate it and subscribe in iTunes. And again, a reminder that your donations are tripled right now. If you go to btaspodcast.com slash donate, or just click the link in the show notes, or just find it on Twitter and Instagram at btaspodcast or at heyjustin. Let's keep raising money for Homeboy and all the other organizations I'm spotlighting this week. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of this podcast. Thank you again to my guest, Lauren Tom, and an extra special thanks to my good buddy, Lelon Bowden, for putting us in touch. I couldn't have done it without Lelon, and I really appreciate it. Okay, lastly, I actually want to apologize to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, for years of neglect. He called me up to let me know this. I am way beyond mad. I've tried to be patient, so what do I get in return? Broken dates, broken promises. You care more about your dumb job than you do about me. All right, Tori, I understand. You got to get it off your chest, and I deserve that. Okay, guys, until tomorrow when the fundraiser continues, and hopefully you find it very ice to hear me. There you go. There's a little hint for what's coming up tomorrow. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.